Uh, hi everyone, it's Zenith back again with another brilliant episode, another brilliant guest. Today with me I have Kathleen Donnelly Israel. And Kathleen is the author of the best-selling book, Wisdom on the Camino. And in this, she recounts the journey that she undertook along the Camp Camino Santiago, uh, which is a 500-mile trek, I believe, starting in France and ending in northern Spain. And in that, she recounts um, the journey that she undertook, that, that on the age of 70, believe it or not, the people that she met along the way, the experiences she had, and it was an opportunity for her to share the spiritual wisdom that she had gathered over the years while tending to um, her husband, Ron, over 17 years. So Kathleen, very, very warm welcome to the show. Um, very, very pleased to have you on. We were having a little chat beforehand and I was just talking about the eagerness that I, which I'd, I wanted to get you on because there's not too many 70 year olds that I know <laughs> of anyway who, um, who decided to take on a 500 mile track. I think people at that age are looking to wind down um, in their lives, but from what I know of you, you, you just seem to be getting busier and busier. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here with you. So yeah. Go ahead. Tell us, um, tell, tell us a little bit about this here, because um, I, I do know a little bit about it. I think one of my relatives done something similar. I'm not too sure about it, but um, it starts in France and it ends in Spain, and it's a 500-mile trek. Um, which must have been quite a journey. It was such a gift to me. Um, after spending all that time taking care of my husband, uh, it was um, just um, wonderful to have something to look forward to. And so he died in August of Parkinson's disease. He couldn't swallow anymore. And, um, and then um, by January, I was putting my stuff together and studying how to um, how to do it, how to pack and pack lightly, and um, and also I used to um, I used to walk with my friend uh, five miles a day, three days a week down by the bay here in San Diego, and so I I thought, well, I don't even break a sweat walking five miles. I could just um, walk five miles in the morning and then after lunch I could walk five miles again and I can do this and mm. um, then I I was working at a horse ranch I was you know cleaning the stalls it was a horse ranch for um, people uh, they taught horseback riding to people with autism and developmentally disabled people and so they needed a volunteer to pick up the horse pucky. And there I was with a wheelbarrow and I developed a really strong core. And I think that really helped too. And also my sister-in-law took me on hikes up mountains. She said, Kathleen, you're gonna have to hike up mountains. So she went and found all the mountains in San Diego and we hiked up them. And um, so in that way, I was prepared for the physical, you know, yeah. uh, whatever. And um, and then um, I had to accumulate all my lightweight um, clothing and um, everything, the pack. I bought four packs before I found the right one. And I was prepared. Um, by March, I bought my airfare over to France and, uh, and I was going. <laughs> That's, that's that's quite a journey and quite a story. I mean, just to backtrack a little bit, you know, you, you've been with your husband for, for so many years. And what I remember, 
you know, you were a team couple for world my worldwide marriage encounter in the 70s and 80s. Yes. So obviously you were very committed to each other. You were very much a part of each other's lives, um, doing so much in the world together. And I, I guess um, it must have been quite a painful time for you to, to see him slip away. I know that you cared for him for 17 years, so you must have been prepared. But to, to kind of have his final breath around September, and then by January, we're ready to to kind of just go off on this kind of adventure. I'd kind of love to know your thought processes or what was going through your mind at that time. Do you think maybe a part of it was you were still in shock or trauma or what? Did you just feel inspired, you know? Well, I guess you don't know if you're in shock or trauma. You're just doing what's next, really. It, it was, I mean, when my um, husband died, I, I got a giant... Uh, cloth bag and put all the paperwork in it that I had to do. I had to do insurance stuff. I had to do um, funeral stuff. I had to do graveyard stuff and um, trust stuff. And I just put everything in this bag and I carried it with me everywhere. So I would be able to do all these things. And um, by January, I had pretty much finished doing all those things. And it was time for me to, um, to plan my trip. And um, it it was time to, for me to have my adventure um, that took me out of my life. Um, it was so, you know, after he died, I I mean, he had all this stuff. And when he was dead, he, he didn't need any of that stuff anymore. And it, it kind of hurt me to get rid of it. But then uh, I just, I gleaned my house of anything that had anything to do with uh, disease number one. And then, you know, I had all this photo equipment and, oh my goodness, our children needed some, I mean, we have five children, so they took some of that stuff, but um, it was really good for me to just get away, get away mm -hmm. from all yeah. that. And uh, so it was, um, my thought process was, um, I needed to, I don't know what my thought process was, you know, right after he died, I went, I'm Catholic, but you know, I went to a spiritualist church cause they actually can talk to the dead for gosh sakes. Yeah. And so, um, <laughs> so I went there and, uh, they gave me a reading, I guess when you go there the first time, they make sure you get a reading. And the reading was that I was going to go on a journey and they had no idea. And the journey was, um, so deep. It was deeper than I ever could imagine, deeper into the dirt, into my blood. And um, then after she gave me the reading, I said I wanted to go on the Camino. She was like, okay, so I know what I was talking about now. Yeah. And um, it was just from the spirits. And, and Ron's spirit was with me too on the Camino. I, I kept seeing heart-shaped rocks. And when I, uh, when I, a long time ago, before he got sick, I used, I used to go to school in Switzerland in the summer and I, I started finding heart-shaped rocks so I could take them home to him to show him that I was thinking about him while I was gone. And um, he was there showing me heart-shaped rocks. I mean, if it was uncanny, like every 10th step, there was a heart-shaped rock and and I was just like, okay, thank you, Ron, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, that's a beautiful, beautiful statement and a beautiful 
way to express the fact that his spirit is still around you. And I guess maybe you didn't quite know what your thought processes were, but I guess you, you had your beliefs. You know, obviously you're Catholic, but you had learned of so many different people during Ron's illness, so many spiritual teachers and healers. So I guess yeah. in a way you prepared and understood that it was just his physical essence that had left you and, you know, he would always be with you, I guess. So maybe I think just, so. Maybe, yeah, maybe it was just him pushing you on to say, right, Lexan, do not start feeling sorry for yourself. Get rid of all these earthly things because they're of no use and, and get on this journey, really. You know, it's mm. probably the wind at your back when you were when you were traveling there. That's so, a uh, good thought. Thank you. <laughs> Thank yeah, you. No, I understand perfectly. I've been part of these um, spiritual churches and doing that sort of work myself. So I'm, I'm very well kind of versed in that and understand, you know, all these signs and stuff that a lot of people would dismiss as just coincidence and stuff. But um, I think that once you truly believe, then you'll be open to receiving more signs. So I've no doubt that he was there with you filling your thoughts and every wee tiny thing so i know you received a lot of signs on your journey so i've absolutely no doubt that he was there with you but what did yeah. your children think of it you had five children and you decided yeah. <laughs> to I, I think they were really happy for me um to be doing something like this because it just was so long taking care of him and um my they were all supportive all of them and uh, I have guardian angels and I took them with me. I have four that I know personally mm -hmm. and they came, they came with me. So I wasn't afraid. I, I just relied on them. Uh, and um, I have two very special ones that um, walk with me in my neighborhood because I have skunks in my neighborhood and I was, you know, like I was, I like to take a walk in the evening and I was like, Whoa, I don't want to, you could smell them, but I didn't want to see them, you know? And so I was walking along and I'm like, dear God, send your angels to protect me. And so all of a sudden there were two angels right by me with their wings over me, you know, like an arc um, protecting me. And um, I just, you know, I saw them in my imagination, I suppose, uh, but they were really there. Yeah. And one of them's name is Aloysia. And the other one is Pio Nomi. And I, you know, I just, I just knew their names. Uh, yeah. And, and the, it was kind of weird because Aloysia wears um, black and red robes. And I was like, well, that's kind of weird for an angel. And then I thought, okay, my neighborhood, I live right by San Diego State University. So obviously their colors are black and red. So I'm like, okay, well, there you go. And then Pionomi was uh, dressed in kind of a like a sage green with purple flowers, very gossamer dress. And um, so that was kind of like balance, you know, between yes. <laughs> the two of them. And so they came with me. I, I said, you got to come with me, man. I just need some protection here. So um, and, and you're right. That's absolutely beautiful. I think that. Um, this is why, because angels and benevolent beings like that cannot step in unless that you ask them. You know, they're not going to interfere with your life. So the important thing is, is that they're not, it's not that they're not there. They will not interfere in your life. They will not live your life for you. They will not help you unless you invite them into your life. So what a beautiful awareness that you had just to ask for that help and just to even see them in your imagination, which is exactly where you're meant to see them. I think a lot of people dismiss their imagination as being this, 
you know, a, a silly thing. And that's kind of what we're taught to be. But this is where we this is where we experience these things. We see them in our mind's eye, which we call our imagination. But they're as real as the, I don't know, the, the hairs on your arm, I guess. They're just in a different form, really, at the end of the day. But it's, it's just unique to you, really. And it's beautiful that you have that experience and you have that insight to know that they're around you. Yeah, uh, and really, my imagination is, I mean, this part that you're we're talking about here that I call my imagination, it's not anything I could imagine. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just like, okay. Yeah. yeah. What a beautiful way to come, you know, in, in the colors of that school to let you know, you know, that, that this is real. What other way would they come really at the end of the day? I always find that they come in a way that we're going to recognize, you know, it's not this kind of obscure way where you're wondering the meaning of it. They'll come to you in a way that you're going to recognize and identify, okay, this is a real thing. You know, why would an angel be dressed in red and black? When, <laughs> really? I, I would not think of that. You know what I mean? And, yeah. um, you know, my other two angels, I, I met them when my children were young. They used to belong to this little group. It was called Soldiers mm -hmm. of Mary. And Oh, I think we've just had a little pause there. Not quite too sure what has happened there. Hopefully, Catherine will be back online in a moment. And the sorry, so we just, I was at we the just meeting, and the she said, "Okay, so we did a little art project. We did a little art project that was like." Um, you color this picture of your guardian angel. And then she told us to sit there and just think about our guardian angel and ask in our mind, what's your name? And so I did that with the little kids and the name came back, Lunk. And I was like, Lunk? What, what kind of name is that, you know? And then I got this imagine, I got this image of this giant angel sitting next to me, here's me little, and this giant angel sitting next to me with his arm around me. And I'm like, yeah, well, maybe I just need a bodyguard angel. And that's what this is all about. <laughs> and then the next year she did it again. And so I sat and I asked my angel, what's your name? And I got the name Mary Bell. And I got this image of this flittering around little angel that was all gregarious and happy and uh not large at all and so that's my so those are my four angels that i know about and um they just kind of come around and help me all the time yeah that that's a beautiful beautiful way of um describing them and understanding how they're around you and to have that awareness from an early age is is, is fantastic and i guess a lot of people you know would potentially don't believe in angels but you know, it's it's really up to them and so whether they choose to believe in, in that or not. And as I said, everything's kind of free will. So, you know, if you choose not to believe, they're not going to interfere in your life. But if you choose to believe, you know, and invite them into your life, your, your life can be absolutely transformed. Um, as you know, I interviewed someone there who's very connected with angels and um, a personal friend of mine um, has this deep connection with archangels too. It's something that I've experienced too. So, it, it's, a, it's such a beautiful thing and to have that awareness about you and to have that understanding 
you know, that they're there with you and to have them appear to you is, is, is a beautiful treasure beyond um, beyond any kind of monetary value or any physical thing that we could have in this world. To know that you're so loved and protected at all times is, is something that is, is priceless, really, at the end of the day. Mm. Yes, lovely. Yeah. yeah. So... so while Ron was ill, while Ron was ill, I I had in my life I had a lot of trauma from my childhood, and so all my life I've been trying to, you know, figure it out and be be a happy person. I was a really sad person actually. I was a sad mom. My children, I'm I feel so bad that they had a sad mom, but <clears throat> you know that was me. And so while my husband was ill. I had to be there. So I just went online and I studied with all these enlightened thought leaders. And I uh, studied for so long. I mean, I got rid of a lot of my trauma. And mm -hmm. also I developed my own philosophies, having synthesized all the things that I learned. I just felt like God was leading me to all these healers. And I would like listen to one and buy the program and do the work. And then uh, when I was kind of bored with it, God would send me another one. And I kept getting all these teachers and it was great. And uh, so when I went on the Camino, I shared all my philosophies, I want to call them, with the people on the Camino, because you just sit and talk to each other and explain, <clears throat> like, maybe somebody, most people are there because I mean, maybe I shouldn't say most, but a lot of people are there because they got a problem and they need some space to figure it out. And so I would share some of my charisms with them. And um, so um, when I got home from my uh, trip, I, I wanted to write the book about my yeah. charisms or philosophies. And I didn't want to seem teachy, so I remembered that I told people those things on the Camino. So I wrote my book yeah. about walking the Camino and telling people those things. And have you got a copy of it there to show everyone? Oh, yes. Here it is. Um, it, whoop, Wisdom on the Camino Brilliant. by Kathleen Donnelly Israel. And uh, the subtitle is A Spiritual Journey, Sharing Forgiveness and Possibilities to Inspire the Rest of Your Life. And I really, truly believe that. Yeah, um, and it's, it's something that we want to get into, talking about forgiveness, but we'll, we'll get into that after. Um, I guess maybe the next question then is, is once you decided to, to go on this journey and prepared for it, what were your um, emotions around it? Did you know that you were going to complete it? Did you have any hesitation or reservation about boarding that plane? And did you ever have any moments of doubt and thinking, what the hell am I doing at 70 mm -hmm. years? You didn't want to do this 500 mile track. No, because you know what? I'm as young as I'm ever going to get. This is it. Uh, now is, you know, now is it, you know, anything I do now is the time because um, later on, I'm going to be older. It's not going to help to wait at all. So um. <laughs> that's just so inspiring to hear this from your mouth, you know, to, for you to consider yourself to be so young. And that's so rightfully so. We're only as young as we feel. And a lot of people, as I said, at your age will be, oh, I'm too old, I can't do anything, I'm feeling sorry for themselves. So the fact that you have said to yourself, like, I'm never going to get any younger, I need to get up and do this now, and then to obviously do that and to do another track after, 
and potentially then to want to do another track after that. It's just so inspiring to to many people out there, and I guess the people half your age, um, to to want to do that. Sorry, we, we lost we lost a bit of audio here. I was just saying it, it, it's so inspiring to hear someone at your age, you know, say to themselves or say, well, I'm, I'm still young enough to do this here. I'm not feeling sorry for myself. I'm not at the end of my life. You know, I want to do this here and I want to, to continue on for as long as I can. It's inspiring to people, I guess, even half your age. Hello. One of my adventures was... Um... I I was at an albergue. Uh, the albergues are like a giant room with a whole bunch of bunk beds in it. And I would go to an albergue, and sometimes they would have food there, and sometimes they would have a kitchen, and, and there would be a grocery store in the town, and I would just uh, go to the grocery store and get food and cook it. Or there were restaurants sometimes. So um, this one place uh, said, you know, would you like to buy dinner? And I always say yes when they ask me that. So when I, uh, so it just seemed like only one other person said yes that night. And so it was going to be me and this man having dinner. Here I am, an old lady acknowledging I'm an old lady, you know, we don't have to worry about this. <laughs> and he was a little bit younger, not that young, maybe in his 50s. And so uh, we had dinner together. It was such a lovely dinner. And he was telling me about a lady that he read her book and she found heart-shaped rocks the whole way. Like, And she would take them and uh, put them in her pocket and then she would give them to people along the way to make them feel special. And I told him, you know, every time I see a heart-shaped rock, I want to leave it there so somebody else will find it too. And he said, no, 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 no. You need to pick up those rocks and put them in your pocket and then share them, give them to somebody along the way to make them feel special. So at that point, I just started doing that. She made me chicken and rice and vegetables. And then... Um, so afterwards, you know, I paid her, but I left her a heart-shaped rock, too, from the Camino. Because the people on the Camino, they're there to honor the pilgrims. They're there to, um, I mean, they feel a responsibility to honor the pilgrims. Mm -hmm. And I was the only one in her restaurant. And she actually sat there and made me dinner and didn't charge me very much. just like 12 euros or something, maybe 11 that place. And it was such a blessing to me. And um, for her, it was that's why she was there to um, feed the pilgrims. And she was so glad I was there so she could do that. Uh, that was on the Mesita, actually. Um, I don't know if it was, I don't think it was Tria Castilla, anyway, wherever it was. Um, one cool thing was that I, um, they give you, when you start, they give you a pilgrim passport. It's a piece of paper with little squares on it. And each night uh, when you get to your albergue, they stamp it. And so 
that lets them know that you're really a pilgrim because they can see all the places you've been to in the last night. And then, um, and then um, you, you know, that's like there. And then they write down your name. They take your, you know, physical pass, your passport from your country, and they write all that information down. And then they share it with the Spanish government. Uh, and they keep track of all the pilgrims. Um, so um, when I went to write my book, it was so great to have that because I had an actual record of where I had been each night. And it was it was really great uh, yeah. to have that. And the other thing when I wrote my book, I had shared all my adventures with my friends on Facebook. So I... Um, the so I <laughs> I had that record too. I went back and looked at all my Facebook postings, and then my children made a WhatsApp. My daughter Carla made a WhatsApp, and she called it "Mom's Walkabout Check-in." So I shared with them all the gory details um, that I didn't share with my friends on Facebook. I think I shared mostly the beauty on Facebook. But there were so many amazing situations on the Camino. Um, I remember one time I was walking along and I I met this dog. And I, I'm kind of afraid of dogs. And that was one of the things that I was afraid of, that I would meet some barking dogs. And um, so I was counting on my um, guardian angels to help me with that. Um, the other thing I was afraid of was cold showers. I was like, oh, man, what if I get in somewhere and all they have is a cold shower? But um, I never really got a cold shower. I got an almost cold shower one time, but not really. Um, so <laughs> so anyway, I met this dog, and he it was a like a beagle. Uh, it was not a young beagle. It was an old beagle, and he, he was just walking along. He just passed me on the left, and um, and so I kept walking along, and I felt like I was in a a room. Uh, the canopy of the trees was yellow, tiny leaves, and it was um, just felt otherworldly, like I was in uh, some very special, mm. hollowed place. And it was roomy too; it was just giant. Uh, you could see for a long time, but it was just covered with these tiny yellow leaves quite high. Now, as I was walking along, I came across this amazing anomaly. There was, a it was like a room, but it wasn't a room. It was outside. And these people had brought all this living room furniture with coffee tables and couches. I mean, they were like, like a purple couch with a, uh, a large um, back on it and uh, little coffee tables. There were tables like dining room tables to sit at. And, um, you know, I, I just thought about how amazing it was because it was right out there and, you know, it could rain. Mm -hmm. And uh, I guess it wasn't a problem for them. They just had this giant living room out there in the middle of nowhere. And there was a trailer and next to the trailer, there was a little kitchen, a, you know, a Coleman stove. 
and this man was frying hamburgers. I get, and uh, he was frying two hamburgers. I walked up there and I said, can I have a hamburger too? And so we went in the trailer and got another hamburger and put it on the fry pan. And uh, he made me a hamburger, you know, and uh, a cup of, I got a cup of coffee and uh, I was thinking of sitting there and eating it. But then I thought, you know what? I need to get to the next place. So I just walked out. I just uh, put my um, hiking sticks, uh, rolled them up and put them in my pack. And then I, I just walked along drinking my coffee and eating my hamburger. And as I was leaving his place, I noticed there was a lady sort of lazing in a hammock. And she lifted her head and waved to me and smiled at me. So it was just like they were there for the pilgrims. You know, and it was it was just such a, a lovely thing. And I thought, well, that's why he was cooking two hamburgers, because he we had one for her and one for him. So oh, right. um, he gave one to you then, didn't anyway, he? I was there in April, April and May, and actually I, I left there in June. Um, but um so it wasn't really crowded yet. It gets crowded in June. And so um I guess they didn't really see that many people, but they were there for the people that were there. So that was just, I thought that was lovely. Um, Can you hear me? Can you hear me? <laughs> so I had so many amazing experiences and um, I met a guy from Ireland. Uh, he um, at this uh, monastery I stayed at in Sahagan and um and so, um, you know, we, um, I went there and, uh, the, when I checked in, they brought me to this room. It had three people in it and I would be the fourth person. And I kind of looked around and there was stuff on all the beds. And I was like, well, which bed should I take? And he said, it doesn't matter. Just take the stuff off of one of the beds. And um, and just that's your bed because these people have been here too long and they're too dug in and they need to leave. So just pick a bed and, you know, that's your bed. So that's what I did. And, and I, uh, I laid down and I fell asleep because I was so tired. And when I woke up, they were back. And um, so um, I, I spoke to them. The, the one man was from Ireland and... Now the guy was from England and then there was a lady from Germany. So they were they were my roommates for that night. I, it was a room with just four beds in it. And so um, they asked me if I wanted to do laundry. I was like, sure. So what you do when you do your laundry on the Camino is you just kind of, everybody puts their, like sometimes, everybody puts their laundry together and everybody gives some money and then, uh, you um and then everybody doesn't have to pay so much for the laundry so we all put our clothes in we only had you know two extra days of clothes anyway so we don't have a lot and um so i gave them my clothes and actually they didn't take any money that was so weird i didn't have to pay but anyway um 
and then uh, so I decided to take a shower and they took the clothes and put them in the, you know, in the wash. And um, so I took a shower and then I went out there and they were sitting out. It was a, a giant monastery. So it was the rooms were all around it. And uh, there was a giant garden in the middle and like a covered patio all around the garden with above that was the walkway for the above. And um, so when I came out, I said, hey, where's the laundry? I want to hang it up. And and the guy said, well, I already hung up the laundry. And um, and so I, I was like, wow, that was fast. Amazing. And then they were eating a salad and I went out there and, uh, you know, um, they gave me a plate that somebody else had eaten on and they had a couple of clean forks there and they poured the rest of the salad that they hadn't eaten on the plate. And so I had salad for, for lunch. Uh, it was very, it was very sweet of them. I felt, um, I felt blessed by them. And, uh, the guy said, he kind of chuckled and he said, I have to tell you, um, when I was hanging the clothes, I, I kind of got, um, I kind of got a fluttering of my heart when I hung your bra up. <laughs> so it was, it was just comical. And um, so he was telling me about his, you know, why did you go on the Camino? Everybody asks us that. And he said that he, he was living with his brothers. His parents had moved to Dublin and him and his brothers lived in the family house back in their town, wherever it was, I don't know. And, uh, so his older brother uh, went and got a job and he moved out. And now it was his time to move out, but his younger brother didn't want him to. And he felt tied down by his brother, um, but he didn't want to leave his brother and make his brother sad. So he didn't really know what to do. So he went on the Camino to kind of sort it out. And so, um, so, <laughs> Uh, he um, he felt bad. And so I remember one of my charisms was um, developing a good story. So when you have a sad story, it's just evidence of a low vibration that you've been emitting. And so uh, you need to change your mind, number one. We have control over what we think we can change our mind. And so I told him, well, let, let's make up a good story. And uh, so I, I want you to imagine your family um, and just imagine them all happy. And then I said, what do you see? And he said, I see my parents and me and my brothers all together. And I said, um, okay, so take away your older brother and imagine it and you're all still happy what's happening and he said yeah um my um we're all together in our house all happy and then i said well take you away and imagine them all be happy and he said uh, my brother is with my parents in dublin because my parents need to be in dublin and my brother you know, could go there and be with them and not be alone. And I could go and do my life. 
And I, I said, well, there's your solution. You just had to imagine a good story. And then, because when we worry about something, it, what it is is we're imagining a sad story and then it's not real. We're just imagining it. And then we go with it and we believe in it. We put faith in it. Mm-hmm. And that is so not necessary. It, if we want to have a happy life, we have to imagine something good for ourselves. And we have to live into it. All the worrying that we do isn't real anyway. We might as well make up a good story. And then we put grace around it. And then we can live into it, in into the grace, and put a good spin on it for ourselves. Um, if something goes wrong, uh, thinking bad things about it isn't going to help. Thinking good things about it is what is going to be helpful for our story. So, um, so in that way, I was able to share one of my charisms that I learned while I was um, taking care of Ron. That's beautiful. And then um, that day, we uh, we went on a, a hike, and we Sahagan is the halfway mark on the Camino. So we went to the, they invited me to go with them to this place and we all got our halfway certificate. And, um, and then uh, that, then they made sure they brought me back in time because in the afternoon, the priests at that monastery have a uh, discussion group. And so we, um, they have all these um, monks there and they speak different languages. So I, got into the English speaking group and it was funny that the um the monk said well I don't speak English very well but I'm gonna do my very best because nobody else here speaks English at all and so that was really sweet and we and then after that they had a mass and it was really nice after the mass uh they passed out papers of different colors, like the English one was blue, and then the other languages had different, um, you know, colors of paper. And so we all had, it was a blessing for the pilgrims. So um, the, the priest said the blessing over us in Spanish, and we all could read it in our own language. And I, um, I have that in the book, so it, it um, you can read it <laughs> in the book. <laughs> so uh, one thing I wanted to tell you about the book is um, I have a free gift uh, in the book. Mm-hmm. On one of the first pages, it says uh, to um, go uh, read this first. It's not the first page, but it's one of the first pages. Read this first, and then it sends you to my website, uh, and then you can see the pictures because people told me if I have, um, I should put my pictures in my book because they're so wonderful, you know, especially I shared them on Facebook. And so people wanted to see them. Uh, so I thought, well, if I put them in the book, I'm going to have to charge $50 for the book because they're, you know, to put a, uh, a black and white in there it, it's not okay i i looked at a bunch of books and they have black and white pictures and i was just like yeah i don't even want to look at that it's 
So, you know, the dot gain and all that stuff. Um, so I set up a website and um, I put the pictures in chapters. So you just have to go to the website and sign in and opt in. You have to opt in too. And then you can see the pictures in the book. That's beautiful. So that's, that's my beautiful. gift uh, to everybody. That's, um, that's let's see. What can I talk about? Um, it, it's so um, beautiful on the Camino. I, I just loved it. I was, um, you know, walking along one day and I was walking into a town and I had to walk over a bridge and you look down into the water uh, that the bridge is across and you can see the moss swirling around and the flow of the water taking it um, along. It was so beautiful and the birds singing and I walked um, by this home that had roses on this giant rose bush and it was just full of roses it was in April actually so it was just wonderful and um, the, the the you know cobblestone streets and uh, just seeing the town waking up the maybe ladies coming out and sweeping their porch and um, it was just so clean and so lovely um, there was a, a schoolyard and uh, I mean, it was a play yard actually. And they had um, play equipment for adults and play equipment for children in there. So I guess you could go down there and the, the play equipment for adults was like exercise equipment. So the adults could go there and do their exercise and let the children play on the jungle gyms and the, and the slide and the swings. I thought that was really, really great. And the the equipment was all different colors. It was like purple and blue and red. It was just lovely. And um, one of the things that was so great about being on the Camino was being there during Holy Week. And I went to this place and... Um, uh, it was like Monday of Holy Week. Um, maybe it was, I don't know when it was, but anyway, I I went there and uh, that evening I went up to the church and they were having this really great, um, this really great uh, ceremony. There was all these people there and they were dressed in purple satin and they had a hat that looked like, I don't know, like a dunce cap or something, like a cone head or something. And uh, a purple satin cone head. And over their face, they had this black mask that you couldn't see. And I suppose you could see out because um, it was very, it was an anomaly, really. And they all had drums and they were beating their drums. And there was a leader. And uh, so they, I think they were just practicing uh, when I got there, and they were dun 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 dun, dun with the drum, and then all of a sudden it stopped, and and then um, they started the procession, and uh, they had the the priest, 
Well, I guess the drummers went first, some of the drummers, and then they had the priest who was walking along. And then uh, behind the priest, there were like three or four men who were playing a flute. And <laughs> and it was kind of like the melody, right? So you had the drums and the melody and then more drummers and then the people after that. And so the people who were there at the church, we walked behind the drummers and we walked through the whole town. I mean, there were so many people. It was like we filled up the whole street. Um, and there were people out there looking at us from their door and their window and uh, their balcony. And um, it was just a, a whole town thing. And then uh, at one point, uh, half of the drummers went one way and half of the drummers went the other way. And we went up to the church and I was just kind of had my camera and, and this man was pointing down the street. He got my attention. He was pointing down the street and he wanted me to look down the street. So at the bottom of the street, uh, you could hear the drummers coming closer and closer and closer. And then uh, at the begin, um, okay, so on the right-hand side, you saw this litter with um, the sorrowful Mary dressed in black and uh, lace, a giant statue of Mary. And then coming from the other direction on a litter was a larger than life-size statue of Jesus carrying the cross. And when they met, at the bottom of the street, like they saw each other, the drums stopped. And it was just like so much tension watching the statue of Mary see the statue of Jesus. And then uh, every once in a while they would go, da -dum, da -dum, you know, and it was just so dramatic. And I just thought, wow, these people in Spain really get into the drama of mm -hmm. the passion of Christ. Uh, it was it just touched me so deeply. I'd never seen anything like that. And so I was actually taking a video of it and I tried to put it on my website, but I, um, but it wouldn't take that large file. <laughs> so I'm sorry about that. But I took pictures of it and they're on there. Was this during uh, Holy you know? So um, that was totally amazing. And I that evening at the Albergue, I had asked the guy, so how late are you going to be here? Because yeah. I want to go to this service in town. And he said, I'll be here till 1030. And so uh, I was looking at my watch and it was kind of getting close to 1030. So I just left and went back to the Albergue because I didn't want to be, you know, locked out. And um, so that was was really special for me. And there were many more Holy Week uh, in, um, things that I participated in. Actually, during Holy Week, I spent the whole of Holy Week in a town. Uh, and um, I just became one of the church ladies. And I actually, people started smiling at me after a while, like the in recognition but there was a, a large area of single older women. And I thought, okay, well, maybe this is all the widows or maybe the women whose husbands don't go to church or something. I don't know. But I felt it felt good to be part of them. 
And, um, you know, when Easter came, I, I didn't have my Easter dress or my Easter bonnet. I just had my clothes from the um, Camino. And uh, just to make it special because it was Easter, I I really don't eat cake, but I went into this coffee shop and ordered a piece of carrot cake uh, for Easter. And I went out and I sat on the grass by the river, by the town, and just kind of gelled and um, experienced uh, the special relaxation of being there on the Camino on Easter Sunday. And um, one thing that was a problem on the Camino was when it rained, because I had tried to get um, shoes that are waterproof, but I realized that my shoes were not waterproof on one rainy day and they just filled up with water. So, uh, yeah, they were supposed to be Gore-Tex shoes, but obviously not. <laughs> and, uh, but, uh, I found out later that I was lucky that they really weren't waterproof because when you have waterproof shoes, they don't breathe. And so it was good to have shoes that weren't waterproof. Um, so I did not get blisters on the Camino. A lot of people do get blisters, but I did not. And so, <laughs> so um, anyway, I had, when I went to that coffee shop, I asked the lady, do you have a newspaper? I mean, it was like, I was um, trying to think of how to say it in Spanish, uh, TNA Una Periodico, or I don't really know what I should have said, but she said no, and then I told her, mis zapatos son uh, tiene agua y uh, necesito una newspaper or periodico or something. I don't know what I said, but anyway, she went in the back and got me some newspapers and I crumpled them up and put them in my shoes to soak up the, the moisture in my shoes. So when it was time to leave, my shoes were still wet after a week, but at least they weren't so wet. Um, put the newspaper in there and let them soak it up. And then I took it out and let the newspaper dry and stuck more newspaper in there. So it was kind of like, a, ah, that's what you do when you're on the Camino. I guess. And, um, uh, so I was really lucky to be there in the spring because there were so many flowers everywhere. Uh, the spring on the Camino, um, there were, um, red poppies, whole fields of red poppies. And then also they would just crop up anywhere. You'd be walking along the street and there was a couple of red poppies. And one of the cool things about the red poppies is you could tell how windy it was. Sometimes the wind was so wild that it just blew them right over, but they always popped up again. And I kind of felt like that was a good anomaly for me, uh, that the wind would blow and blow and I'd blow over, but I always popped up again. So that was kind of a, a neat message from the Camino. And uh, <laughs> anyway, it was, it was very fun, very fun to be there. Um, when I wrote my book, uh, it was just such a joy. I wrote it in like three months. I, I was just hot penning it because I was just, um, it was just such a joy to remember all those places I'd been 
and between I, you know, I had to do the research and okay, I was here at this time, what's going on in that place? Oh yeah, I remember that situation. And then I write, write the situation. There were so many good um, ideas that I got from just being on the Camino and uh, uh, I'm just like thinking about it now and it's just making me so happy. And I, you know, when I was writing the book, the self-publishing school that I worked with uh, said, okay, so you wrote your manuscript. Now you need to read it to somebody. So um, my husband's cousin said she would let me read it to her. And it was like every day I read her, or maybe three days a week, I read her uh, two chapters or one chapter or however much time she had. And, and I said to her one day, I said, Linda, do you think anybody's going to want to read this? And she said, Kathy, while you're reading, I have a big smile on my face. So yes, yes, they're going to want to read it. So that made me feel good. And it kind of carried me through writing the rest of the book. <laughs> because, um, you know, there's a lot to go through. You, you have to, you write it and then you um, edit it yourself. And then you read it to somebody and then you edit it per what they say this linda was like oh yeah maybe maybe you should leave this part out or something i i asked her to tell me what she thought i should leave out and then uh i sent it to the editor and they took a lot out and oh my gosh they changed you know like i write like i talk not necessarily good english um and uh, one of the words that was a problem was the word were and um it was like i i said um like i said was instead of were and he changed all my wases into wers and sometimes i just felt like it didn't it didn't uh work like i i said i was wondering if there was laundry at the place and he said i should say i wonder if there were laundry and i'm like Oh, that doesn't sound right. And so then I, I got to change it to, I wonder if, if there were laundry services. And so um, there you go. <laughs> anyway, it was a wonderful experience. And um, thank you for letting me share it with you. You're more than welcome, Kathleen. I hope that you can hear me. Um, yes. Yes, I, I don't know what happened there, but... Yes, like I, I really appreciated you. I, I know we had technical difficulties there, but I guess I just wanted to ask you before you wrapped up, was there any particular insights, you know, that you kind of gleaned there because you would have spent a lot of time on your own in silence and obviously with nothing but your own kind of thoughts. And I'm wondering, was there any kind of maybe insights that you would have learned about yourself that maybe you didn't know before? One of the problems with having been, you know, living with post-traumatic stress disorder all those years is that I brought in a lot of negative experiences from having a low vibration. And so um, on the Camino, I mean, I used to say, I don't get the good stuff. Everybody else seems to be getting good stuff here and I do not. But it's because I was sending out those low vibrations, you know. And so on the Camino, I, I brought in all kinds of good stuff. And having done all that healing with those teachers brought my vibration up, uh, eliminated from me uh, the sadness. And so one of them was, I do get good stuff. 
And another one was, I can take care of myself because I went straight from my mother's house to my husband's house. And then, you know, we created our life together. And um, although I did create quite a bit of that life myself, I didn't do it alone. But on the Camino, I had to go find me a place to stay. I had to go get me food. And, uh, you know, I had to make sure I was safe. And um, I, I learned that I could take care of myself and that I do get good stuff. Yeah. And I know, obviously, you're a very positive person. And, you know, you practice that Hawaiian breathing technique, which is so instrumental to a positive mindset. Could you maybe just yeah. talk a little bit about that? Oh, yes. The Ho'oponopono is a, a, it's a Hawaiian healing technique for the family. And uh, what it's like an incantation or a prayer or whatever you want to call it. But what you say is, um, I love you. And it's the big I love you. I love God. God loves me. God loves that other person. That other person loves God. And if you can say it, you say, I love that other person. But if you can't, you don't have to. It's okay. And uh, you shouldn't, actually, if you don't want to. Uh, and then uh, I love you. I'm sorry. And it's not I'm sorry I did something, but I'm sorry that this situation exists. There's a situation going on here, and I'm sorry that it exists. Please forgive me for what's going on in me that caused me to attract this because I have some negativity here, and I'm drawing in the negative stuff. And, um, uh, and then... Um, Thank you for showing me this so I could heal. So if I didn't have this pain in my heart that was caused by this other person, not really, you know, I have buttons to push, don't I? Uh, thank you for showing me this so I could heal. I could heal now because I see this brokenness in me. And then uh, when I said that, it like washed me. It washed all, all my pain out. Thank you for showing me this so I could heal. And then I love you, the big I love you. I love God. God loves me. God loves that other person and all the I love you she can think of. But one night when I was doing it, I was feeling shame. And uh, I knew that Ho'oponopono is not about shame at all. It's about honoring your valiant spirit that was willing to come here, even though knowing it had a low vibration. And it came, I believe my spirit came here to raise my vibration. And so, um, so anyway, I was feeling shame and I'm like, ah, I must be doing this wrong. And so I was thinking about it and I thought, okay, so when I said, I, um, I, I said, please forgive me. And then I said, I forgive me. I forgive me and I forgive it up. And I felt this refrigerator sized pain come out of my heart and go up to God. And I was like, oh, wow, that was amazing. And uh, so I was, you know, that I was, it was like I was on vacation and I was in bed and I was thinking all these things that ever happened to me that were sad. My monkey mind, I guess. And, um, <laughs> So anyway, so I got rid of that one. And then my monkey mind brought me some more stuff to think about that was sad. And so I did the, I call it my extended Ho'oponopono. And so I did the Ho'oponopono again, and I got that out. And all night long, I was doing that, getting my pain out. 
And you know, uh, the next morning, I hadn't slept all night, but I felt so refreshed the next morning. And actually, I had been sad for so many years. I, I think I was in my 50s when that happened. And uh, so I needed to do it for a long time. So uh, every time, I mean, if I had my brains about me, right, uh, every time some sadness came up, I would do the extended Ho'oponopono. And then like sometimes I didn't feel like it came out and I would ask my angels to go in and untie it, somehow find a way to pull it out to the, to the beginning of my being. And so through that, I got rid of a lot. And um, there's hangers on. There's uh, spirits in this world that are sad. And they will notice your sadness. And they will hang on to you because they're attracted to it. So I got rid of my hangers on. I got, you know, and uh, all of a sudden I was just so clear. And I even had people, I mean, I don't see spirits just in my imagination, but I don't see them. Other people actually see them. And so uh, this one lady was my friend. Uh, she she came, to, I hadn't seen her in years, and she came over to me and she said, Kathleen, you got rid of all the spirits that were surrounding you. I, I, I'm so happy for you. And I and the, I just thought, thank you, Ho'oponopono. Thank you so much. Yeah. And, what, an um, amazing, um, what an amazing story. And you're absolutely right. There's so much about that. But for someone who isn't as connected as yourself, who <clears throat> doesn't understand this, we don't understand the, the power the trauma has over us, how it affects our everyday life and how it weighs us down. And when we accumulate it over so many years, we become accustomed to it so much that we don't even recognize that it's there. And it's only when you go through what you went through, a kind of purging, if you like, it's almost like vomiting, you know, getting rid of all this trauma and you begin to feel, oh my goodness, I felt better than I than I did in years. I think you're absolutely right. There are kind of earthbound spirits who haven't moved on, who are attracted to and kind of feed in a way of our lower kind of vibrations. And this is why it's so important to, to raise your vibration through techniques such as this here and other ones. And forgiveness is such a, an important part of that because it for me anyway it releases this uh this karmic bond that we have that keeps us bogged down and tied to the ground and when you forgive someone you release all of that anger and that pent-up emotion that you have and even forgiving yourself because as you quite rightly say there when we when we're in spirit form if you want to call it that we are perfect and we've come to this earth and we're not so perfect. We have these lower vibrations. We have these trauma and these pains. And that's the way it's meant to be. And a lot of people don't understand that and caught up in this shame and guilt that they feel for themselves. So the biggest thing to do for forgiveness is forgive yourself for not being perfect. You know, once you begin to recognize that, it lifts this burden off us, doesn't it? Yes. Um and when you forgive yourself, you're being godly to yourself because that's what God is. God is forgiveness. Yeah. And I don't even feel like I need to forgive anybody anymore because um, I can take responsibility for sending out these low vibrations that brought the worst out of those people. You know, they have some worst stuff too. Yeah. And my worst brought their worst out. And um, so I... I'm actually thanking them for showing me my pain. 
so I could heal it. I, you know. Yeah, showing showing areas that you have to work on yourself because I guess you know you wouldn't be having that reaction if you didn't have more work to do upon yourself. But it's it's a lifelong journey. I think it's not an overnight thing where you just go magically. Oh, it's okay. I forgive you. It's it takes a lot of time and practice. The you know it's um it's very important to um to realize that we send out these vibrations and i always you know people didn't like me i noticed that i mean you notice how people treat you people didn't like me and they their spirit was like oh my gosh you know when they saw me surrounded by all these you know hangers on and uh, sending out this low vibration and i just have to honor myself for being willing to come in here and you know the the one of the ways that we as humans on this earth can raise our vibration and raise the vibration of the whole earth is by um is by um healing ourselves and uh <laughs> i lost my mind here that i had this really great point i wanted to say um i um geez so um Okay, take your time. Okay, it's unconditional love. That's what I wanted to say. Unconditional love. Because you can't even do unconditional love unless you have adversity. Because it's easy to love people that are not um that are nice to us. That's easy. But it's difficult to love the people that cause us chagrin. And um that's that's where the sweet spot is is um doing unconditional love. Yeah. So we we can change the world with our own vibration. We are sending out a vibration. So, hey, let's send out a good vibration. Absolutely. And I used to think my sad story was so important. And one lady told me one time, why don't you just make up a good story? And I'm like, well, that wouldn't be true, you know. But you know what? The worse it gets, the worse it gets. So if you have a low vibration and you're sending out this low vibration, you're going to bring in more crap into your life. A really good thing to do is to just change your mind. And one lady told me, one, one of my teachers told me, you know, you're walking along and you can see what's behind you and you can see what's in front of you. But what if you just turn the corner? Then you can't see what's behind you anymore. Just turn the corner. And you can be free of all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, one a, a really good thing to do is um, to clear yourself is to you take your hand and put it on your heart. And then you take your other hand and put it with the back of your hand against your other hand. So you're 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 got your hand on your heart and you put your other hand up there next to it over it. And then, uh, yeah, like that. And then you push it, push it away, push whatever it is away with this hand. And then you take the other hand and you zip yourself up. Um, and yeah. And when I do that, what it is is it's pushing away whatever's not you, and then zipping yourself up so you just keep yourself inside. And when I do that, the colors get brighter. Uh, 
you know, like I'll be like sitting at a stop sign or something. And I do that. And all of a sudden the street's not gray anymore. It's like black, you know, or the, you know, the lines on the street are bright yellow. And, and so um, that's just something really easy we can do to clear ourselves. Yeah. It's, it's, it's very powerful and very interesting. I think of a lot of these things that we get and these techniques that we do, you know, we don't have to, um, be these learned masters. We don't have to have smarts. Anyone can do them. It's as simple as changing your mind. Something as simple as that there and it has profound effects. And I think in, in this type of work, people overly complicate things. But you know, if you truly believe that these techniques are have been sent by God or from God or from our creator at the end of the day, then why would it be hard? Why would it be difficult to learn any of this here if we're all meant to grow and we're all meant to change? And surely the, the person who doesn't have the smarts um, can learn can learn any of this. This is what I always preach, and it's as simple as changing your mind. And today I sat, uh, first thing I did this morning when I got up, I meditated, and I'm a bit tired because I didn't get a good night's sleep, so my mind, my vibration wasn't that high. But even within that meditation, I just said simply imagine love and joy. Imagine love and joy, and you just imagine that. You imagine it's there, you imagine it's coming, and you feel what that's like. Oh, I wonder what it's like to have love and joy. And so you mm -hmm. begin this process, you're imagining, and it begins to rise and rise, and all of a sudden, you have love and joy, and your thoughts are completely transformed. And it's mm. such a powerful way of doing things, small, simple techniques like that there, which can change you profoundly and change your vibration. So thank you very much for sharing that. So was there was there any kind of um just before I kind of let you go was there any kind of profound insights or you know that maybe you 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 learned upon that journey but um that you were able to take away from others at all or anything that you thought I, I didn't know this before and now I know it and it's a practice that I'm going to put into my life. Um, you know, I was so bowled over about how much people cared about me on the Camino. The people on the Camino um, were so, um, I, I just, they were loving me all the time. And then the, the people who, like the people who are walking, they loved me. And the people in the towns, they loved me too. I mean, I did meet a few angry people, <laughs> but that was kind of fun. Uh, Anyway, it's in my book. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, um, that I am cared for. I guess I am. I am protected and I am cared for. Uh, if I can walk five hundred miles across northern Spain, I can do anything, and I can do my life. Absolutely, and what an inspiring journey! What an inspiring woman that you've been to, to do this at your age and to say to yourself i'm far from done you know i've got <laughs> more adventures in me and to do actually do almost a very similar walk the very next year from uh where was that again in portugal from I think? Lisbon. lisbon lisbon i did the front uh the portuguese way from lisbon wow. to santiago and then on to finisterra i walked to finisterra after that so that was wow. Yeah, the end of the earth. <laughs> I wanted to go the first time, but I I just couldn't do it. I was I got sick on the Camino. Um, yeah, that so, was a little so like I, that. I think because I know you got sick a few times. I was mm -hmm. not. Yeah, I um. Well, the first time, I I met this 
this young man, he was from Poland. And uh, that night when we were all going to bed in our little bunks uh, and he came to me and he said, you know, I just feel really rotten. My bones hurt and I'm really tired. What do you think I should do? And I just sort of stepped back. I was like, oh man, I don't want this guy's germs. And and so I I, I handed him a, a bouillon cube and I said, um, have some chicken soup, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and um and so uh he said oh yeah i have a i have a bouillon i'll just make me some chicken soup and thank you that's a good idea but the next day he didn't get up in the morning we all left you know and he was still in his bunk so i told the owner you know we've got a sick one in there but then i got sick after that but i don't blame it on him because i think a lot of people on the camino were sick at that time so i uh it was like Mother's Day, and I I went to uh, Lyon. I was in Lyon, and I stayed at this place uh, for several days because I was ill. And I um, they had a cafeteria, and I just noticed I was looking around, and most of the people were sitting by themselves. So I'm like, yeah, these people are sick too, and they just don't want to get everybody else sick. So um, so anyway, the the day after Mother's Day, I I finally you know was feeling better. And um, so the next day I actually went to another place in Lyon because I just felt like I needed to get away from my sick bed. <laughs> and um, so, um, yeah, I can't remember what I was trying to say here. <laughs> I'm just yeah, talking. Yeah, you were just talking about being sick and, you know, just. Oh, yeah, I was being sick. And then I, I got a urinary tract infection. I was walking up a mountain. And even though I, I knew that I had to drink, a liter and a half a day. No, two, two liters. So three liters. I had to drink three liters a day or else I was, you know, going to be sick. And yeah. I actually did drink three liters that day. But I um, was walking up this mountain. It was to on the, the mountain to La Faba. And I, my clothes were drenched wet from sweat from walking up that mountain. And I know I just sweated more than I drank, really. And uh, so I got a urinary tract infection. That was really terrible. I uh, and I I went to pharmacies for you know for only one day. I'm like, yeah, this is not going to work. So I had to go to a hospital and get some uh, real drugs. And um, and even despite that, you still you still had um, no no reservations or no hesitation about carrying on your journey. There was no point in that where you said to yourself, enough is enough. Yeah, I I, I, I knew, because um, I had read books and people talked about getting sick and I'm like, okay, well, I'm gonna give myself enough time to get sick too. And I'm gonna get, I'm gonna take Holy Week off. And I'm, you know, I, I gave myself time to do it. Actually gave myself three months, but I only took, a little over two months so I could I went to Scotland after that and uh, took some art classes uh, <laughs> but um, yeah I, I paint uh, icons and so uh, when I was trying to find out about painting icons one you know just google painting icon classes or something and there was a school in in Edinburgh uh, and so I thought, well, 
I will just go there and learn their techniques. And that was very cool. Uh, but anyway, uh, on the Camino, um, yeah, I, I just knew that I was going to finish. I decided that I was going to finish no matter what I, you know, had my angels with me and, um, yeah, I knew I could do it. Yeah, and even at the end, they, they told me, they what told happened? me to, to, um, to stay another four days when I got the UTI and I'm like, no, I, I have to get, I have to go. So I did. Yeah. You sound, it definitely sound like you had a lot of help and a lot of protection, just listening to your story, the encounters mm -hmm. that you had, you know, from the periods where you, you could have and potentially might've quit due to illness, the foods that you had, because they know that there was a lot of bread on, um, on oh yeah. You don't eat bread. I don't eat bread, but you know, I if you walk ten miles a day, I think you can eat bread, but still it causes inflammation in me. And people couldn't believe that I gained weight walking all that way. But I did. I because of the inflammation started out, uh, I bought a child size sleeping bag and I could fit in it. It was great. But by the time the end of the Camino, I couldn't zip it up anymore. So I kind of laid it over, put my feet in and with a mummy bag, I put my feet in and laid it over me um, because of the bread. <laughs> yeah, well, most people lose weight when they go on a track like that, but you managed to gain weight. Yeah, I did. Yeah. It, sounds, it sounds like you had a lot of protection, a lot of help, a lot of guidance. So I guess yeah. it was just meant to be. And I guess those emotions and that drive that made you decide, you know, those few months after your husband had transitioned um, were just meant to be. And I guess it was it was probably part of your purpose for coming here to inspire people that, you know, life does not end when you reach 70 years of age. You know, there's so much that, that can still be accomplished. And I think that this is an inspiration, not only to people in your age bracket, but people who you know, feel it oh, at 40 or 50, I, I have nothing left to give. I don't have anything. I'm too unfit. You know, if a woman of your still fairly young age can can accomplish that and then the next <laughs> year, you know, go and do a similar track and then to plan for another journey, you know, I guess the possibilities are, are almost limitless. So it's yeah, it's I'm just going to keep going until I can't go. That's all. You know, if you if you don't use it, you lose it. So yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I feel like I can do this. Yeah, well, absolutely. That's, it's been such an inspiration listening to you. How long then did it take you to, to publish the book, you know, when you come back? Um, you know what? I, I, I really wanted to write my book about my teachings, not about the Camino. So I wasn't even thinking of writing a book about the Camino. And... Uh, so it was more than a year afterwards. I got back in July and um, I started writing the book the next August, you know, during COVID actually. Um, I was really lucky to have gone uh, before COVID uh, on this Camino. And then when I went to Portugal, it was during COVID. So that was pretty exciting. Uh, they didn't have as many albergues open and stuff. So I had to take the bus to back to the last albergue and then take the bus in the morning back to where I started, you know, left off. And so it, it wasn't as fun in that way, but, <clears throat> but of course it was a spiritual journey and I honored it as such. Yeah, you know, beautiful. What an inspiring journey. As I said, it's, 
that you provide inspiration to so many people, maybe not even for to, to do something like, like the Camino, but to let them know that, you know, that they're still able, that their goals are within reach, no matter what it is, you know, that nothing is without of reach if you just have the right mindset. And just to ask for help and guidance, I guess, all of the time. Um, I guess normally what we, or what I ask to do is what, what your plans are for the future of any, I guess. Obviously, you still want to do some walks, but yeah. would you, are, are you open to, or are you considering writing another book? Given that this one is now an Amazon bestseller, does it give you the confidence? Have you considered writing another book um, to include all of the, the the sayings and the philosophy that you didn't get included in your first book? Yeah, because I met different people in Portugal and I, I, I'm just like chomping at the bit here to write my next book. And, you know, the self-publishing school, when you write your first book, then they say, so when are you going to start your next book? And then, and then after that, they're like, oh, are you going to make a box set? And <laughs> so I, I think my box set is going to be, you know, wisdom on the Camino and then wisdom on the Camino Portugues and then wisdom on the Camino del Norte. I think next year I will go in, in April. I loved it in April yeah. um, to the Camino del Norte. Mm -hmm. Wow. Well, I, I will be looking for the 10th book in the series, um, Wisdom on Everest. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. I was just trying to think of how I could not need three websites. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I was going to Wisdom on the Camino up in Everest, right? <laughs> yeah. But it's, I mean, it's just such an inspiration, human ingenuity. And, you know, they say life begins at 40, life begins at 50. I guess in your case, life begins at 70. Wow. Well, that's what, you know, when I was caring for my husband, uh, they, um, some lady told me, because um, I, you know, obviously put my life on hold. Um, she said, well, 70 is the new 60, you know, so, you know, I'm, I'm still just in my 60s here. Yeah, well, absolutely. And age is a mindset, really, at the end of the day. And I guess one of the other important parts of you change your vibration not only do you become mentally emotionally and spiritually you know lightened but you can become physically lightened and have so much more energy and uh, aliveness about you so i guess that's very true in your case because of the vibration that you have that you have this lightness about you and you have this attitude of you know nothing is without of my range so it's just such an inspiration to listen to you to listen to your journey to, to give me the inspiration, you know, to travel it. But I guess, you know, like, like a lot of people, you know, you're, you're sitting doing your research on this guess and you're going, well, how can I find out as much as I can about them? And I thought, well, maybe I need to do the Camino to, to really understand. <laughs> for but, yourself, for yourself. Yeah, for yourself. Yeah, but, but that wouldn't be really much of a challenge for me, and, you know, because you're 70 and I'm a bit younger than you, so maybe I need to do it on my hands too. To <laughs> yeah, you could do it on your knees, you know, or you, you know could, I mean? you know, you could take somebody who, um, like, there were people there that were pushing a wheelchair wow. on the Camino. I mean, there you go. You know, anybody in a wheelchair? <laughs> there, you know. And the other thing, uh, a lot of people don't have time to do the whole Camino, and so you can just go from. Uh, Saria is a hundred k, a hundred and something k. After Saria, a lot of people do that in like a week or a weekend, depending on how buff you are. Yeah. Wow. So. Okay. 
not for so you, you don't though. Have... Hmm? not for you though you decided to take the hard way well, it wasn't the hard way. It was the blessing way. You know, it was uh, <laughs> like, I just want a lot of blessings, you know, it's like, and really about the going from Lisbon, I, I, I just kind of tongue in cheek say, well, if you don't have a lot of sins, you don't need to go from Lisbon. You can start in Porto, but, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I just yeah. needed to go from Lisbon. Beautiful. Colleen, it has been such a pleasure having you on. I know we had some technical difficulties, but we got there in the end and it was just inspiring, just listening to all your tales of, of being on the Camino and I didn't have to speak for once. So I think that things worked out the way they were meant to work, just as so you could recount these wonderful, uh, colorful experiences and, and about life on the Camino and these encounters that you met and these people that you met and the food that you ate and as I said, doing it at your age should inspire so, so many people to to shift their mindset, to raise their vibration and let them know that, you know, not only can you change yourself and live, a, 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 what do you call it, a, an eventful life at the age of 60 to 70, but we can change the world if we change our mindset. And I guess that's the great kind of lesson. We can make this world a better place. Um, I would love to have you on again once you have done um, your, track, your, your, your next track again to, to have you talk about that more in detail. Um, so if you would be open to doing that there, I, I would really be honoured for you to, to be on again and hopefully we'll eliminate these gremlins that, that are here. <laughs> well, that sounds like fun. Thank you. And, you know, if people can't go on the Camino, uh, you can just read my book. Uh, tell, it tells you all about it. And yeah. uh, you, could, you could just... Um, you could just have my experiences, it, you know, if you can't go out and have your own. Yeah. And what is your website for people to obviously to, to get onto your website, to find out a bit more about you, a bit more about the book and to see these colorful pictures? Um, the website is wisdomonthecamino.com, H-G-T-P-S, whatever, I don't know. Um, but, um, and then you can go on Amazon and get... Uh, in any country, you can go on Amazon and get my book, Wisdom on the Camino. I think you just have to put wisdom on the C and then it comes up with Wisdom on the Camino. And uh, and that by Kathleen Donnelly, Israel. Yeah, or you can follow Kathleen as well. You can actually follow her on Amazon. You can be a follower and keep up to date with her tracks and her adventures and any new publications that she decides to, to do. But yes, Kathleen, it's been an absolute pleasure. It's been an honor listening to you. And I'm, and I'm so full of inspiration and I feel like dashing out and jumping up the Camino blindfolded and on my hands. But <laughs> There you go. <laughs> oh my but gosh. God, God will put your blindfolds on. Don't worry. You'll, you'll get them. You don't even have to worry about that. This interview nearly didn't happen because I nearly fell down a bank in a small oh. forest with a patch of rain. So I don't know what I'd be like on a, on a mountain range like a Camino yeah just take your angels you'll you'll do it absolutely absolutely <laughs> look thank you so so much um it's been an honor it's been a blessing thank you it's too. been an inspiration and we will absolutely have you on again i will be sure to track your progress and hopefully i'll get a copy <laughs> of it to read it all for myself thank you thank you much bye bye-bye <laughs>